Hi, I'm Shashank Bhargav and you're listening to Three Things, the Indian Express news show. In this episode, we talk about the significance of the financial stability report and what the RBI is worried about. We also take a quick look at the outrage against the web series Thunder. But first, we talk about the ongoing COVID-19 vaccination drive. India's COVID-19 vaccination program, which is the largest in the world, kicked off on Saturday morning. Since then, we have come to know about the adverse events that people have had to the vaccines and the glitches in trying to monitor the distribution. In this segment, we talk to Conan Sheriff, who reports on health for the Indian Express, about what all we have come to know about the vaccination drive so far. Conan, we are recording this on the night of Monday, and it has now been about three days since the COVID-19 vaccination drive started. In the initial phase, we understand three crore frontline healthcare workers were to be vaccinated. So how many of these frontline workers have been vaccinated so far? So, so far, uh, according to the latest provisional report till 5 p.m. on Monday, a total of uh, 3.81 lakh beneficiaries from the priority group of healthcare and uh, frontline workers have been vaccinated across the country. On Monday, the country recorded as many as 1.48 lakh were vaccinated in 25 states and union territories. This has been the number so far. There have been some states which have performed really well, and there have been some states which have uh, not recorded very impressive numbers. In, in terms of the turnout? In terms of the turnout, the states which have done really well are uh, Karnataka, who on a single day today has uh, vaccinated 36,888, uh, and Andhra Pradesh also. But there are states with some robust health systems like Kerala and Tamil Nadu, which have been very, very uh, low in terms of vaccinating the beneficiaries. Uh, they have been less than 20% of the coverage so far. And Punjab, of course. Punjab, all, in all three days, has reported less than 20% uh, of uh, the coverage. So this is how the numbers have been so far. And is there a pattern that we see in the reasons why there have been low turnouts? So yes, there's been a pattern we've seen in the sense the states uh, and the center is having a review meeting every day. What has come out so far from these meetings is that uh, there has been some varying amount of vaccine hesitancy in uh, Kerala and Tamil Nadu and Punjab, of course. That's what has been highlighted. But in states like uh, Andhra Pradesh and Karnataka, a lot more uh, communication has gone into or what, what we call as much more extensive planning has gone into the implementation of the vaccine. It's just not about procurement and cold storage, but a communication strategy has happened. What our sources are pointing out that just by issuing circulars, you cannot build confidence. Now, the center has spoken to these states and have asked them to engage with healthcare workers, especially Tamil Nadu, because a lot of uh, your senior office bearers of the Indian Medical Association are from Tamil Nadu. And they have had a pledge that more than 3.5 lakh of their office bearers are going to get vaccinated. That's the kind of confidence building uh, you had had before the rollout actually happened. So this is how it is right now, as of now. Yeah. Okay, so one big fear that has been there is that these vaccines are new and they have been approved with only limited data. And the Bharat Biotech vaccine, for example, has been approved without any efficacy data. So the concerns have been about possible adverse events. So could you talk about what sort of adverse events we have seen so far? So as of Monday, the cumulative figure is 580 adverse events following immunization. There has been no case of serious or severe AFI, which is uh, adverse event following immunization, attributed to the vaccination. That's what the health ministry has said. So if you look at uh, the figures for 3.81 lakhs, we have uh, just less than 580 adverse events. However, 
you need to uh, also understand that there have been two deaths that have been reported on jan 16 the first day so the first death is from uh, muradabad in uttar pradesh the post mortem has been concluded and the death is not related to vaccination it's a death due to a cardiopulmonary disease similarly another death has been reported from belar in karnataka the post mortem has not been completed as such but the preliminary reports are saying that uh, this patient also died of cardiopulmonary uh, disease if we go to the hospitalization which is what we call as the serious or the severe adverse events uh, there have been so far seven hospitalizations following the vaccination delhi has reported the highest which is three hospitalizations two of them have already been discharged and uh, the other case uh, which is a case of fainting the patient uh, is under observation in max hospital uh, the second state is uttarakhand which has reported one hospitalization on the first day itself so that patient is still under observation but is stable in aims rishikesh karnataka has reported two hospitalizations both the cases are in chitradurga and both are under observation but as of now there are nothing directly which we can uh, categorize as a severe uh, adverse event just a quick note the minor adverse events that have been recorded mainly include symptoms like fever headache nausea mild swelling at the injection site or mild allergic reactions like rashes and do we know how many people have been given the oxford vaccine and how many have been given the bharat biotech vaccine so far so that uh, data has not been made public uh, as such but what we know is that seven states have been given uh, the vaccine which is of the bharat biotech uh, which is in the clinical trial mode but that is a roster that will keep changing so we know that uttar pradesh right now or gujarat or kerala is not using the bharat biotech vaccine and this will change you know uh, and and you've seen that in delhi all the top hospitals aims of the jung or rml all of them use bharat biotech vaccine on the first day and you had uh, doctors which is uh, aims director randeep guleria or uh, the head of the nacvec uh, or dr vk paul all of them are using uh, uh, the bharat biotech vaccine so it's not specifically one vaccine that is being a problem but it's just vaccine hesitancy which has become a challenge as of now in few states so we'll see how it unfolds in the next few days now the other major thing about the drive has been the fact that a digital platform called covin is being used to monitor vaccine distribution and record data of all beneficiaries in real time to what extent has that process been going smoothly so that uh, there have been few glitches on the covin platform uh, first is that there has been delay in uploading the beneficiary list at some session sites in the platform so what the government is doing uh, especially in maharashtra that issues happened and you you've seen that uh, the uh, state government has spoken about it and has issued a press statement the issue has been resolved the system performance and the speed of uh, covin is being improved further and is being optimized so that there is no delay in uploading the beneficiary list because if you if you're delaying that then the message is going after a day and actually these people are not coming to the session sites because they haven't actually received the message there have also been reports that in some places in maharashtra they had to stop the vaccination or they were planning to stop it is is that correct no no it's not actually correct it's not actually correct uh, sunday and monday actually the sessions were not, never planned for maharashtra according to the schedule that is finalized they have never planned a session but they have had a problem with the covin platform that is that even uh, the center has acknowledged it's not just in uh, maharashtra but other few states also have had problem on the delay in uploading of the beneficiary list so that's a problem that the states are facing the other issue that states are facing uh, is that some health workers have got vaccinated but there have been no scheduled their names are not there in the session 
so the center had to evolve a process and the states were asked to upload the data later so it, it, it's like i have gone for my vaccination i have been vaccinated but my name is not in the covid for that particular day so that has also happened in a few states so this is the dual challenge otherwise uh, the covid platform has worked fine so far but you will have some glitches in the next few days because sites across the country which are uh, using the platform and like we were discussed earlier that the platform is under very immense uh, load because it's not only tracking just the beneficiaries but also the cold chain it's also tracking uh, adverse event calling immunization everything so everything is under this platform dear listeners sorry for this interruption but before we move on to the rest of the show i just wanted your quick attention one of the big reasons people say they like this show is because it helps them understand the news better it provides them with the context they need to see the bigger picture and there is perhaps no other place that does that better than indian express's explained section we on three things refer to the section regularly and it helps us make this show if you're a regular reader of indian express you know how useful the explained section can be especially when you're looking for in-depth analysis by the right experts You can log on to indianexpress.com/explained and access the coverage 24/7. Explained by Indian Express, where news that matters is explained by experts who know the subject. Now back to the show. Next, we talk about the RBI, that is the Reserve Bank of India. Last week, the RBI released the Financial Stability Report, or FSR. This is a very important report because it provides a comprehensive picture of the risks that the economy is facing. In this segment we speak to Udit Mishra who reports on economy for the newspaper about what this year's report tells us. He starts by talking about the significance of the FSR report. So the financial stability report comes out twice uh, every year RBI brings it out and the financial stability report has inputs from all the other regulators in the economy for listeners it would be easy to think of it like a diagnostic test for the financial system of the country so the fsr will tell you whether the banks are doing well or not what can happen if things were to go wrong in one way or the other and do all these diagnostic tests for financial entities essentially the idea behind the financial stability report is to look at what is happening to all the entities that are holding assets of different kinds and the broader economy and see what is happening to the what is called the macro financial risks in the economy so for example banks having bad loans or stock markets sort of going up massively without necessarily having a real connect with the ground reality so all those things sort of are under the fsr's purview and uh, it's a good report of what is happening to the financial system in the country and that's the purpose of it it's not about uh, essentially giving any solutions but it's about figuring out where the financial system stands and how healthy it is and so then what does this year's fsr report tell us so the one uh, remarkable thing about the indian economy right now is that for the past many years we were facing a massive problem of bad loans or npas in the banking system which essentially means that a lot of banks gave a lot of loans which were never repaid if they are not repaid then banks have to make up for that money 
through their own profits. And this resulted in Indian banks and especially the Indian public sector banks, which are owned by the government and in a very direct way owned by you and me as the taxpayer. Those public sector banks really struggling to be profitable. So that was in the backdrop over the last, uh, frankly, this problem started after the global financial crisis in 2008 and nine. And uh, what happened with COVID was that in a bid to ensure that the crisis doesn't become so bad that firms and companies and individuals are not able to get back into action, a lot of moratoriums were given, loan moratoriums were given, a lot of restructuring has been done. So the policymakers and regulators have basically told the system or firms that, you know, we don't mind if you don't pay for six months or eight months, we'll, we'll sort of just roll it forward. The idea being that people should have more money in their hands so that they can spend and then that will give the economy a boost? Yeah, the idea being that uh, you should not stress uh, the economic agents at a time when there is no income. So if you ask for a return of a loan at that very moment, a lot of firms can go bust. So you basically say, okay, we'll give you a loan moratorium. Now, what the regulators also did was that they said, okay, do not count this as NPAs. So what has happened in the last year is that on paper, our NPAs, the non-performing assets of the financial system, the banking system, have been better than what they truly are. Even in the last financial stability report, which came out in July last year, it was expected that NPAs may rise. A lot of people outside the system also were saying that the NPAs may rise when the ground realities are recognized for what they are and moratoriums go away. So what the latest financial stability report has confirmed is that according to its own analysis, the NPA level in the financial system, in the in the banking system, was 7.5% of all the loans that were given in September last year. And they may rise to almost double of it by September this year. So that's a very worrying thing. The numbers are in a range, but from 75 they could rise up to almost 14.8%, depending on different levels of stress. Now, that is a very worrying thing um, because... You know, for perspective, listeners may note that before the global financial crisis, when the Indian economy was doing very well, the NPA levels were around like 2.5% of all the loans given. So basically, if you were giving, you know, 100 rupees of loan, only 2.5 rupees was of, of loans were not getting back. Now that number could rise to as much as 14, 15%, which is a very worrying signal. What is also... Uh, Worrying is the fact that this is happening at a time when the Indian economy actually needs its banking system to give more loans, you know, uh, extend more loans to new activity and push the economic activity. So these are very competing demands. These are very odd demands. On the one hand, the FSR is showing that the banking system is likely to come under massive stress and its profitability is going to be affected. And yet, on the other hand, the state of the economy is such that you would want the banks to actually give more and more loans and be a little more open to taking on risks. And that is the dilemma that is brought out by the FSR. So considering that the NPAs are set to rise, what does this mean for the banks? What is the 
actual fear in that sense so i mean what the fsr has shown is that if there were certain levels of stress was to go up or recognition was to happen recognition of bad loans was to happen then there might be many banks which may not have adequate amount of capital with them now regulatory standards mandate that every bank must have a minimum amount of capital or money with itself so that it remains solvent it cannot be the case that bank has given so many loans that when npl levels rise it is not able to honor the existing liabilities it has in the sense that whatever dues it has to pay so in terms of say the deposit that it gets you know when i put my money in the bank i expect that i can withdraw that money so banks need to remain solvent in that sense now it is showing that if your npl levels rise a lot of banks may find it difficult to maintain the minimum regulatory benchmarks of capital so that is where the real fear is and that's where the sort of the macro financial risk is so these are the concerns at the micro financial level but you write that the rbi is also worried about other things as well like the increased availability of money at low interest rates could you talk about what those concerns are right so the other i mean npas is obviously the most stand out worry right now but uh, it is also becoming clear that you know what has happened as a result of covid is that a lot of governments and central banks both in india and abroad have pushed for a lot of easy money a lot of liquidity at cheap interest rates hoping that businesses will take those loans and push economic activity or people will have enough liquidity to maintain basic levels of consumption but what the fsr is also noting is that there are unintended consequences of this because a lot of liquidity also creates asset bubbles because you know your interest rates are low you're not maybe keeping money in the bank there may not be a genuine way to productively uh, employ that money and a lot of excess liquidity may actually flow straight to the stock markets or creating asset bubbles asset bubbles basically would mean that you know you have different investment opportunities either gold house real estate or or stock markets and prices of those things sort of rise disproportionate to uh, what they should just because there's so much money being pumped in by the by the regulators so that is the other worry that the fsr has pointed out that there are unintended consequences to the support measures that were taken to tackle covid and that is again something that is worrying them and the rbi governor in his forward very clearly pointed out that there are parts of the financial system which are totally disconnected with the real economy so he did not exactly give which particular sector but he definitely alluded to the fact that there are parts of the financial system which are totally disconnected with what is happening in the real economy if the real economy is not moving fast if it's not growing fast then financial systems or financial firms or stocks or whatever they cannot be growing too fast so as we've seen the stock markets have risen far more even when the domestic gdp growth uh, has either contracted or has been sort of flatlined so that's a cause of worry and in the end we talk about the outrage against the tv series tandav 
A number of politicians have now expressed outrage against the political drama series called Tandav, which is streaming on Amazon Prime Video and stars actors like Saif Ali Khan, Dimple Kapadia and Sunil Grover. The politicians allege that the show includes the portrayal of Hindu deities in a bad light and the use of casteist scenes and dialogues. On Sunday, BJP MLA Ram Kadam had launched a complaint against the makers of Tandav at the Ghatkopar police station in Mumbai and urged authorities to take strict action. Another BJP leader Manoj Kotak had also written to the Union Minister of Information and Broadcasting Prakash Javadekar asking for a ban on the series and regulatory authority for OTT platforms at large. After this, the ministry sought an explanation from streaming platform Amazon Prime Video on the issue. An FIR has also been registered against Amazon India original content head Aparna Pururohit, series director Ali Abbas Zafar, producer Himanshu Krishna Mehra, writer Gaurav Solanki and others at the Hazrat Ganj police station of Lucknow in Uttar Pradesh. In light of this, the makers of the show yesterday issued an unconditional apology for unintentionally hurting sentiments of the public over some scenes depicting Hindu deities in a bad light. Zafar posted on Twitter saying, quote, "The cast and crew did not have any intention to offend the sentiments of any individual caste community, race, religion or religious beliefs or insult or outrage any institution, political party or person living or dead." The cast and crew of Tandav take cognizance of the concerns expressed by the people and unconditionally apologize if it has unintentionally hurt anybody's sentiments. You were listening to Three Things by the Indian Express. Today's show was written and produced by me, Shashank Bhargav, and as always, was edited and mixed by our producer Joshua Thomas. If you like this show, then you can subscribe to us wherever you get your podcasts. You can also recommend the show to someone you think will like it. Share it with a friend or someone in your family. It's the best way for people to get to know about us. You can also tweet us at Express Audio and write to us at podcast at IndianExpress dot com. 